Welcome back to Hot Pizza Ass Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Darling-Taralva. On today's episode, I have Orlando Leba. He's a comedian. He's a writer. You may have seen his HBO Latino special, Adorable, or maybe you've seen him on The Tonight Show. He's been all over the place. And we talk about comedy, starting stand-up in your 30s versus starting in your 20s, lessons learned, the importance of staying positive, being positive, and, you know, loving yourself and others that come into your orbit. It's a really great episode, especially for those of you who love comedy conversations. I know a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast absolutely do. Before we start this episode, I'd like you to take a second, press pause, and go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Please leave a sentence about your favorite moment in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from the information or who just loves Orlando and needs to hear this interview. It's great. (laughs) Also, you can go to patreon.com where there are multiple ways to support. Starting at $5 and moving up, you can get access to our community, bonuses, maybe some video content, digital photo drops that are in the themes of the podcast, and essays every single month. Also discount codes and cool things with that community that you will only get there. So join us at patreon.com slash Erin Darling for any one of those extras. Your support is super appreciated. Without further ado, here is Orlando Leba. Orlando, you have been thriving in the pandemic according to your, uh, is it the Tonight Show set? Yeah, I've been thriving out here, dude. Yeah. You've been thriving. So tell me about your pandemic experience. How's it been so far? It was, uh, first of all, I enjoyed it. Like, um, I, I didn't know I didn't like shaking hands. Like I had a, I had an idea, but thanks to the pandemic, we don't have to do it anymore. And that's always awesome. You know, people still come at me and I'm like, nah, we're not going to do that anymore. And, uh, it's one of those weird things where you, you think that, I understand that a lot of people have gone through a lot of rough things, but that's what I focused on. Like, man, I'm blessed. I'm not going through any of these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of my people's got sick, but they pulled through. Um, Some one of my close friends almost died, but he pulled, he pulled through and I'm grateful for that. And I live in that space. I, 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 I don't know any other way to live. I don't, I cannot sit in the darkness, even though it's so wonderful and it's so warm and no one can see you because you're in the dark and you can ball up like a little ball and no one, no one can bother you or touch you because you basically become invisible. Mm -hmm. I'm not able to sit there because the longer you sit there, the more comfortable you feel sitting there and the harder it is to get up from there. And I'm not wise like that. All this was passed down from my grandmother to my mother to myself now. So that's why uh, I, when I say I'm thriving, is it is that's really what I mean. I'm just I just lean into the positive of everything, you know. So, yeah, they both sound amazing, your mom and your grandma. So yeah. tell me about them. I want to know what did they teach you and, and what are they like? Uh, they're they're. Mm-hmm. What can I, they are the definition of common sense. Everybody, they don't overthink stuff. Um, my grandmother has already moved on her, her shell 
started uh, wearing down. So there was time to trade up and she traded up. I don't know where she is anymore. She went out into the universe and she's doing her thing. Sometimes she comes and visits me in, in my dreams. My mom is still around. And these were two women that could fall down and get right back up and run into a wall, bounce off that wall, take a beat, acknowledge what went wrong, and then go at that wall again. Oh, maybe now let me come at the wall with a rope. I can't just break through it. It looks like I'm going to have to go over it or I'm going to have to go around it. They just had a lot of that common sense, and they always would pass down these things, you know? Uh, like till this day, like, like my mom's advice of, uh, if, if you trip long enough, if you trip long enough, you'll learn how to pick up your feet. Mm -hmm. And I never knew what that meant in Spanish is, uh, apuro trompres, apuro trompresones, apuro trompresones, aprendes a levantar los pies. I never knew what that means. And now that I'm a certain age, it hit me like, oh, you make a certain amount of mistakes and then you learn how to, this is going to be the theme of this podcast, take a beat and raise your feet so you don't trip on stuff. Oh, oh. And then again, the common sense of that is so simple, mm -hmm. you know, that, um, Uh, it's awesome. She also used to say, I'm not a seed. And I was just like, what? She goes, I'm not a seed. I'm not going to be here forever. I was just like, oh, okay. And then the other day I hit her back. Well, you are because you're the seed and you glue into a tree and I'm one of the branches of that tree. So even though you might leave, I'm still running the tree. And then she just started laughing. She goes, you're overthinking it. Two common sense women, just common sense, strong, dynamic, and just undeniably love me. Undeniably, just like there was no question whether or not they love me or not. And it was uh, unconditional also. It wasn't pat me in the head or hug me and be like, I love you, my son. That didn't happen. But it was more like... You have a roof over your head is that, you know, you, you get older, you start learning. So I guess if you want to get into modern day, what everybody now kind of understands their love language was service of service. So it was kind of like making sure that I always ate, making sure that I had food on my plate. And, you know, that's kind of like my love language also. And fast forward by me having these great examples of being raised by my mom my grandmother, my aunts. I was surrounded by a lot of women. And um, that made me hypersensitive to women. But it also let me know what type of woman I wanted. So the day that my beautiful wife popped into my life, boom, I was done. Hang it up. See you later. I was done. And yeah, was like it. that quick? That, that quick. Yeah, yeah. Love it because, first sight? Uh, no, no. It, you can't say love at first sight. It was love at the at the at the at the journey of these first few times that we're going out and it's like oh this person gets it and and it's all random things it was i know it sounds corny but the fact that you could watch a movie together and not even talk and this was way before netflix and chill 
and not even talk and just kind of look at each other at the right time. Like, they like oh my God, you know, <laughs> and it, it was great. That sounds amazing. I mean, I love the fact that you're surrounded by so many strong women that, you know, taught you about, I don't know, about how, about love, I guess. Like that's yeah. the ultimate lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And and it taught me how to like women. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's like the most important thing in the world is like you have to like women. And I genuinely like women, you know, not in that way. Not in, don't, let's not put it uh, in a uh, in a sexual content. It's more like, in general, I just like women. I like being around them. I, I like I like the vibe. You know what I'm saying? I I'm no, I'm not gonna sit there and chit chat, and we're not gonna sit at at, uh, at 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 the store. I'm not to that level. But it's like if we're vibing, we're all at a restaurant and stuff like that. Or if I'm at a company, uh, I never mind that if my one of my uh, to be honest, I don't like I don't like working for dudes. I don't like the testosterone level. Where it becomes a competition, especially if you're a man of a certain age uh, and you're just coming into your manhood and you're still, you know, there and you're not even 25. Your frontal lobe hasn't developed. So there's a lot of things that you might pull off because you still haven't uh, opened up and know that there's consequences for the things that you do and the way that you behave and the way that you act. I'm not here to... uh, uh, take a dump on my, on, um, on guys. I'm just saying, I'm just that guy. That's the way that I'm built. Like ever since I was young, I've, I've always been, but it's again, I had the cheat codes. I, I was surrounded by women. So I knew, I knew how to tell my teacher, well, Miss Roberts, like your hair looks great. And it's like, all right, seven year old Orlando, relax. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, hi. All right, you know, <laughs> I wasn't hitting on her. I was just giving her a compliment, but it was yeah. like, you sound like a little grown man when you're, when you're doing that. So I was talking to that. I wasn't into, I didn't need to punch anybody. I didn't need to spit <laughs> on anybody. I didn't need to steal anybody's lunch. I was very, and, and like, and buddies of mine were like, man, I wish I knew how to like talk to them and stuff like that. This honestly, like guys, there were, we're very simple creatures, not simple minded, simple creatures about the things. And when you take away all the stuff that gets put on us to kind of defend ourselves and not show who we truly are, uh, talking about guys, it's, it's just very simple. It's like, man, I like that, that woman, or I like that girl, or, you know, if, how, how can I? And then I go, uh, Hello. That's all you got to do. Hello. The vibe is <laughs> there. Because it's also like, a, yeah, yeah, just say hello. And the energy is the energy's very uh, swaggerific. It's, it's just going to be what it's going to be. If you, if, if you're, I, I'm a genuine believer that if you come with the, with the, with pure honesty, with your delivery, with your approach, that's what you will receive in return. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, that has nothing to do with you. If someone, you know, another gem from my mom and grandma and the people that surrounded me, if someone's mad at you and you have no idea why they're mad at you, has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do. It's like, oh, okay, keep it moving. 
That's, yeah, that's a hard yeah. one to learn. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. I've found myself in that situation recently and it's mm. very stressful. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Is it a relative? Is it a friend? Yeah, a relative. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it felt very uh it was like a very alarming type of like personal attack at like a public family event. Mm -hmm. And it was so out of character and so weird that I was like, I know at some point this person is probably gonna circle back and be like, I'm so sorry I was under incredible amount of stress. Yeah. I lean into it. I'm like, are you okay? Is there, is, is so, if it's someone I care about, like you said, a family member, I have no issue leaning in and then be like, uh, did I, did I offend you in any way? Mm -hmm. What, what's going on? This is so, and I'll pull them to the side. I'm good at pulling people to the side. I was going, let's, let's chat over here. Like, I don't, I don't like to make shows in front of people because from a distance, you know, Jay-Z taught us that you don't know who's the crazy one if both of you are shouting at each other. They can't, they don't know who's the crazy one. So I'm with, when it's, when it's worth the, the engagement, I will engage. If it's not worth the engagement, I will, I just chuck it off. Oh, that has nothing to do with me. Boom. And I'm real good at also being the friend. And like, let's say I was with you and you would have said, yo, I don't even know what I did. And then I go, really? You didn't know what you did? And you'd be like, no. And then I'll be like, oh, that has nothing to do with you. You just happen to be the person who was in the way when that decided to manifest itself, whatever it is that's eating that human being up inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people are on edge, man. People are on edge and um, from every angle, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I love how in your Instagram bio, it says positivity connoisseur. Yes. And I think that's great that you're. I didn't write like, that. My wife wrote that for me. I'm not okay, going to take so, credit. Okay. Tell but me the story. Am. I want to know what happened. <laughs> no, she just, she was like, your Instagram is, uh, my, my social media isn't what everybody's social media is. I'm not, I don't want to let you in that much. I don't want to give you that much personal details about the, uh, about my personal life. I like to, you know, I have to protect some of it. So it's kind of, it's all about shows and then it's all about uplifting other people. Mm -hmm. So if you win, I win. That's the way I get it. So I repost that. And, you know, there's a side of me that tries not to be judgmental, but I'm still a little bit judgmental when there's a certain win and other people don't post it. And I'm like, oh, I see where you are. But I don't judge you for it. I just don't because I know that I know that we're we're supposed to think that we're really busy and we're caught up in our own thing. This is what we're told that we are, and this is the past. Because of that, we give other people pass when they don't do it, and. Um, I'm not perfect. There's times where I've wanted to pick up the phone and be like, yo, not even, uh, oh, you know, I didn't even see it, bro. I, and that, and then I control myself and I humble myself. And then I'm like, but why are you forcing this person when it's supposed to happen? I'm, I'm, I, I know it got beat to death a few years ago, but I'm a, I'm a strong believer in like things just happen organically. Like if you want to do it, you'll do it. 
If you want to pass, the, find the time, find the time. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I don't know Absolutely. where we went with that, but that's where. <laughs> it sounds like a good place to be. How did you get into comedy? Like, at what point were you like, I'm going to be a stand up? Speaking of. I dating, was, I was, dating. I was, yes, I was 32 years old. And uh, I, my birthday came and my wife gave me uh, just a funny, just a funny gift certificate to go take Improv 101. I took Improv 101 in Miami, Florida. Uh, I guess she saw that I was a little bit down. Um, so she gave me Improv 101. I went to go do Improv 101. And I didn't really like the whole, oh, you got to be part of a team. Mm-hmm. Then we flew up to New York that same year. And we saw Kyle Grooms up at Gotham Comedy Club. Kyle Grooms at the time was on the Chappelle show and the whole nine. Everybody was really excited. He performs. He's the headliner of the night. I saw him. We just so happened to be in New York. We went to a comedy show. When we left the comedy show, uh, I think she saw me glowing. How happy I was that I saw like one. But the backstory on Kyle Grooms was that he worked at Univision in Miami, Florida back in the day. And I worked at CVS WFOR Miami. I was a satellite engineer and I'm also a cameraman and editor. I knew a few things. I knew how to get uh, maneuver my way around a news station. And uh, she goes, you really like it? And then I said, yeah, I think I want to do that. And the next morning I got up, I called the Miami Improv, and that was it. Wow. I signed up for an open mic, which was actually a blessing because my first time on stage is at a comedy club. Mm-hmm. It's not at a bar. It's not at a bookstore, which is very hard. That stuff can be, that stuff can really deviate you from stand up mm-hmm. or you start doing stuff that you didn't know you could do. Cause one thing is like, I've always said, one thing is doing a bar gig. And another thing is going to the improv or going to, to, to going, I don't want to going to a comedy club where people paid money or they got a free ticket. And it says it in the title. This is a comedy club. Mm-hmm. People are going to get up there and tell jokes. That's different. That audience is dialed in for that. You do at a bar and they start turning off TVs and the Dodgers are on. And it's like, why are you turning off my TV? Oh, we're about to do a, a Miller Lite comedy show tonight. And they're like, dude, I just, I, just, I just worked and I'm single or I just got divorced and I just want to watch the Dodgers game. I'm not like... And they're like, Bob, I'm here every day. I, like, why are you ruining with it? Ah, oh, we're just trying to try new things, Jason. Oh, but Bob, I I just want to watch the Dodgers game, dog. I I lost my family. Oh my god. You know, like <laughs> I lost my family. That got so dark. Yeah. Well, to the divorce. Jason got divorced. And he goes to Bob's bar to to forget about it. Oh, Jason. And he, he, he just wants to watch the Dodgers game. But Orlando has to wants to get up for the Miller High Life <laughs> comedy hour oh my God. at Bob's bar and do haha jokes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I ran a show like that for a while. This is probably like nine years ago. I used to run a show at um yeah. Busby's. Yeah. 
And it was such a tough room because it was like exactly that. It was people watching basketball, people watching football. And then all of a sudden, like the sound on the TVs go off and you're forced to pay attention to comedy. And I remember it was like such a rough room. Everyone was bombing. And I'll never forget this. Jody Miller was on the lineup. And Jody Miller has a baby. Congratulations, Jody Miller. You're a mom. Happy first Mother's Day. But I remember like I it was one of the it was the first show I'd ever produced. And I was also a new comic like when you're in. And so yeah, that's so rough. That is no, so rough. No idea what to do with an audience. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget. She was like she came up to me and she was like, hey, like you have to freaking like yell at the audience like you need to like get their attention. And she's like, I'll go up next. And she did. And she did exactly that. Like she just like showed me exactly how it's done. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, to control the room again, but it was so difficult. So I totally relate to the Jason story. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that your first time on stage was like at a comedy club. <laughs> I was so happy. But and it was, it, you know, it was hard because it's a, the hard aspect of that is like you're asking your friends because they need you to bring in five couples, yeah. you know, so it's a total of 10 people. So you ask all your coworkers that first time you ask friends now. I, I'm blessed that at the Miami Improv, um, again, I'm a 32-year-old guy when I'm doing this. So my level of maturity and the way that I can communicate with management at the comedy venue was different. Hey, man. Hey, I really appreciate the stage time. Thank you so much. Like after my first time, I remember Jason. Um telling me, um, no, Melissa telling me, hey, from now on, you can come and just hang out. You don't got to pay for any shows. You could come and just hang out after my first time. Wow. So uh, you can come and hang. It, it, it was, um, I'm, I have very fond memories of my first, like just starting out. But again, it was a different Orlando. It's in Orlando. At the time I'm working at CBS, I have a great salary. My wife is making hella money, way, out, way, way out earning me, you know. Um, and uh, and I was, we were comfortable. We had our house. We have our dogs. And uh, and the club is also like, like if worse came, I could walk to the comedy club if I wanted to, you know. And um, it it was. It was um, it was amazing. And I said, Jason, who his name is Justin, Justin, till this day, he's still the manager of the Miami Improv, him and Melissa. They're actually a married couple now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I love that story. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And at what point were you like, okay, I'm going to go to L.A. I'm ready for this. Oh, three years in three years in. So my first three years, the magic thing, the stuff that only. I. It's in your dreams. I get the three best advice. Uh, um, um, what's his name? Um, I'll go backwards. So, oh my God, I completely blanked out on the three comics. Louis Anderson tells me. Louis Anderson sees me on stage and says, hey, you know where you're doing the premise at a punchline? Yeah, you're not that type of comic. You're a storyteller. Start telling your story. Like that. What? Oh this is my, my first three years in. This is like my first year in. Um, Bruce Bruce tells me, um, I don't know, Bruce, they're not laughing. And Bruce says, no, nah, 
My audience will let you know if you're no good. They'll let you know. They're listening. You got them. They're listening. Mm -hmm. I was real uncomfortable with the room being quiet at the time. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be like, bang, 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 bang. Be that be that guy who's just like, but then people can't remember not one of your jokes and they can't connect to you. They will yep. never connect to you. They will never be like, you know what? I'm riding with this dude because he said, blase, squase, blase. And I agree with that. And I relate to that instead of just da, 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 just trying to uh, murder the room. Mm -hmm. So uh, he gives me that. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, I'm about to quit comedy. And he goes, no, dude, you're good. You're good. You got stuff to talk about. Because I was just like, dude, all my, all my, I, I called them coworkers. That's how you know I was like a company guy already. I said, all my coworkers are like 19 and 20 and 25, <laughs> you know? Like, and he goes, nah, dude, you got stuff to talk about. I got that magic uh, blessing where, um, where they, he told me that. And then I became Sebastian's South Florida guy. So every time Sebastian Meniscalco, which now he's a huge sold out Madison Square Garden for four shows. Um, I became Sebastian's guy and I'm so grateful for that because then I'm in Miami and then, you know, Judy from Levity is calling and putting in a request. Hey, Sebastian would like Orlando Labor to be his. So then. At the Miami Improv, you they have the Miami Improv, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm. Mm -hmm. Also Tempe, um, Tempe, and Stand Up Live, and other Stand Up Lives. And within that ownership group, they were like, oh, maybe we should pay attention to Orlando. And they did. Yeah. And then I became, I started hosting a lot. And then I, I would actually not want to feature because I knew as a host, I could work more. Then as a feature, because as a feature, they bring you in one weekend locally and then that's it. They can't use you the following weekend. But as a host, they they could use you. I just kept getting used Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm. And then and then I'm I'm earning CBS money, you know, or CBS news money. I'm having the time of my life. I was enjoying it. I get deep into it. Sebastian tells me that fast forward. Sebastian starts blowing up. I get inspired. My buddy for Shaw, I get taken care of, you know, you develop, they call it clicks, right? But I didn't have a click. I have, I have wonderful friendships with a group of comics, Dave Williamson, for Shaw, John Wynn, Lisa Correo. Mm -hmm. And these, uh, four, uh, three wonderful human beings, right. Um, all move, uh, Dave Williamson came to L.A. first, then Forrest Shaw came to L.A. second, and then I came third. Mm -hmm. And then John Wynn moved in after me. We kind of like, they protected me. They were guys that were my older. They were a little bit more, they're veterans. And uh, I got lucky because then I, I didn't have to hang out with the 19 and 20-year-olds. <laughs> because also, I'm a married dude. You yeah. get it, Aaron? And I'm just like, yo, I I don't... I don't really want to have beers with you guys right now. I want to go home. Yep. You know, like I, I want to go home and, and that's what I did. Yeah. I want to go great. home and watch true blood. You know, I what feel mean? like that's totally the way to do it. I think that, you know, 
I think something that's really interesting about your story is getting started in comedy, like in your thirties. And, you know, I started in my twenties and I feel like a lot of that was just me figuring out who I was and not necessarily knowing and going through multiple evolutions and like going through material so quick. Cause I was like, I no longer relate to this. And I feel mm-hmm. like when you start, like now I feel like I'm in a completely different place. And I'm wondering in your experience, is that kind of what you felt like when you were writing material, when you're 32 and you're starting, is it, do you feel like you outgrew it quickly or you could work with it a little bit longer? Like, No, I got stuff I've never, I've never done outside of Miami and meaning when I moved to LA and those bits, I can, mm-hmm. I can genuinely go back and bring them in and they'll still, they'll still hit. I know they still hit, they still resonate with me because it's not, it's not about the time and it's not about, it's more about life, mm-hmm. like real life, everything that we all live through, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I I believe. Yeah, I agree with that. See, you taught me something that I hadn't even thought of of why that makes sense. And that's why it makes sense, because it's still I started at a certain age. But but, Aaron, you the one thing is that you once you figure it out, once you figure it out and you kind of see it, we're, we're in a town where we actually get to witness it a lot. I, I, I see it a lot. Like I, you see when someone is dialing in and you're like, they're dialing in it, and it's not me. Oh, they're getting booked at all the comedy clubs. And so, no, you see someone perform at the second room at the ice house or up in the belly room. And you see that magical moment where you're like, oh, he's dialing in. Mm-hmm. He's dialing. I I remember. I remember Theo Vaughn dialing in. Yeah. Not just being Theo Vaughn. Not just being hey man, man, man. Like I remember like him settling in and feeling comfortable in his skin, and it's like I'm gonna say these things, and it's gonna be all right whether you're gonna like him or not. And I just sat back and said, "He's dialing in." <laughs> I love it. I I saw him in the belly room and I was like, he's dialing in, you know, and those are, those are wonderful moments. I've seen it at a, around time a couple of times. The sad part is when you see someone that's dialing in and then like something, something kind of derails it. And that's when that's the, that's the sad part. Not that if they fall off or something, but I guess someone said something or you stop believing in your, in your, you got to believe in yourself. You can't just listen to everybody's guidance. Like, cause the minute that you start dialing in, you see how everybody else comes to give you advice. Like, Hey man, you know what you should do? But you got to be careful because that's sometimes that's just someone seeing that you're trained is leaving the station and they want to hop on your train right at the minute that you're about to leave the station. So they come and it's not with ideas and advice that are not genuine. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this to him or her so I can 
hop on this train and I'm part of the original crew. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. My guys are still my guy. My, me and Michael, yo, do or die. We roll together, you know, bad boys for life, me and that guy. Uh, Nick Guerra, do or die, bad boys okay. together. We roll for life. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Justine Marino. You know what I'm saying? I don't talk to Justine. I, I can't. Justine Marino, I haven't talked to her in probably like ugh, a year, mm-hmm. but I could call her tomorrow. And it's like we were just talking. Yeah. Like we were just talking. Justine Marino's mom labeled my half hour. She named my half hour. Really? Yes. We're <laughs> at Comedy Works in Denver. We're at Comedy Works at Denver. And it's funny because this is the first time I say it's her mom. Uh, I've always said it's some random white lady in Denver, Colorado, but it wasn't oh, wow. some random white lady. Justine Marino's mom grabbed me by the cheeks at the Comedy Works, my face cheeks, people, my face cheeks, <laughs> at the Comedy Works, Denver, Colorado, and told me it was Michael Yo, Justine Marino, me. I'm trapped. My wife is with us. I have pictures. It, it's a, it was so beautiful. I have pictures of my wife passed out sleeping in the green room. And then the following day, Justine passed out sleeping in the green room (laughs) like that. And after the show, Justine Marino's mom, I don't think Justine even knows this, grabbed my cheeks and said, she said two things. The first one was very vulgar. And then the second one, but not vulgar in a cute way, like, oh, in a cute way. And then the second one, she's squeezing my cheeks and says, you're so adorable. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, mental nope. Fast forward, what, five years later, what do you want to name your comedy special? Adorable. I love it. Yeah. This she is doesn't an even exclusive. Know yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> the first time the story has ever been first told. First time. I've told a story that it's a white lady, a random white lady, but she wasn't <laughs> random. She was like, I hope her name is Mrs. Marina. I don't know her name. <laughs> but obviously she loves you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I love this story. Um, so how do you know, back to advice, mm-hmm. how do you know to discern someone's good advice from someone's bullshit advice? Uh, best way is the best way I call it out is this, your success, your success or your failure in no way affects this human being. Mm-hmm. There's, there's advice from obviously my wife. Mm-hmm. She she um, she genuinely just wants me to be happy. That's where it starts. She wants me to be happy. And that's where it starts. She also knows how to call me out when I'm on some artist bullshit. You're on some artist bullshit. She tells me that. Artist bullshit. Yeah, artist bullshit. You have artist bullshit. I have artist bullshit. We all go through our artist bullshit. Usually, we we you refer that we that terminology came up with uh, with a group that I used to work with, a music group, and we finally get our show. We finally get a show. We get booked. We're getting paid, and they're like, we don't want to do the song that we're known for, and. That and I was that's the song that got you booked here. Yeah. I was behind the scenes. I was just like paperwork guy. That's the song that got you booked here. No, no, we so we've been doing that song for over a year. Ugh. And I was just like, dog, you're on some artist bullshit right now. <laughs> so we go through it. Where sometimes we don't want to do the joke. We don't want to do I don't want to do that joke. I don't want to do that joke. 
I'm on some artist bullshit now where I don't want to, one of the jokes that I've had the blessing that's given me a lot of blessings is a joke on how much I love HGTV. <laughs> and it just slid out of my day. With us, it's a little bit different because that's what we kind of do naturally yeah. or instinctively. We get rid of stuff. But then you got, you have people like Seinfeld who are OGs and you'll hear them say, how arrogant are you to think that everybody in the world has heard your jokes? Mm -hmm. Everybody has heard my HGTV joke. How, where does that arrogance come from? So that makes me smile. And then I remember that and then I'll do the HGTV joke. So the, the watch out for the, the people who are giving you advice, uh, the first the first line of defense for me is like, this person's giving me advice, but I'm accepting and I'm going to look into it because I know whether I make it or not doesn't affect this human being. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Or this is a genuine person. Like I've seen this person, but everything, I'm already old enough that everything has to go. It's, there's, you know, a whole board that sits down inside my head and say, are we going to accept this advice? Or are we going to accept this guidance? Because sometimes, sometimes you're just moving, 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 moving. And then people want to give you advice. And it's like, yo, but your money, but the train is moving. Mm -hmm. yeah. why, why are you trying to, you know, certain advice are like, hey, man, um, you should... You should open a company now. Now's a good time to open a company. And the train is moving and you're like, yeah, I'll do that. Cause that doesn't stop the train. That's, yeah. you know, set some money aside, talk to your accountant and be like, yo, let's start incorporate me because I'm no longer allowed to write off my 10% that I give to my agent and managers. Now, the only way I can write it off is if it goes through the company. Okay. Mm -hmm. Move it, move it, move it, move Like yeah. those are great advice. Just sit down, take a beat. Take a beat, man. Take a beat. Take a beat. We read scripts. And and for those people listening that don't know uh about scripts or don't read don't read scripts or don't know, there's certain places when you're saying something or you're reading your lines where at a certain point they go dot dot dot. There's three dots. And those three dots represent on the page that you're supposed to take a beat. Just take a second. Take a millisecond. Just take a quick pause. And then the follow-up line comes. Mm -hmm. I've learned how to apply that in life, where it's like, da, da, da. hey, Orlando, da, da, you should jump off this building. E hmm. <laughs> nah, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no. It's no, definitely a no. moment to take I used to I used to jump off the pier in South Beach, well, before I was before I turned twenty five, I used to jump off of this pier. They you jump off, and the cruise ships are going next to it. This is in South Point, Miami Beach. And I used to jump off, and it wasn't water; it was rocks. So you physically had to like push yourself and Superman outward, oh and God. then, and and yo, we used to do it like, yeah, I'll land in the water, and I always landed in the water. <laughs> but it only would take one time for me not to land in the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I remember turning 25 or something and I did that stupidness and I supermaned off and I landed in the water 
And then when I was coming out of the waters that you have to kind of make your way through the rocks back onto the pier, I kind of slipped and hit my head on a rock. Nothing happened to me. I'm pretty sure something did inside. But I was just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I think I've officially outgrown this. Yeah. You know? I used to do it from another bridge where you would jump off of a bridge and then have to clear another bridge. This is Florida stuff, people. This is this, crazy. We're surrounded what? by water. So you used to jump. This was in, <laughs> this was in Key Biscayne. And, and you jumped off the bridge and then clear a whole nother walk bridge and then into the water. Again, supermaning over a whole nother smaller bridge that was at the bottom into the water. And then go back, swim in, and then go back and get back and do it all over again. It was, it was so much fun. It was I so love dumb. It. What? <laughs> I need a visual of this. Um, yeah. I know we're we're wrapping up because you have a set you have to run to. I feel like we barely scratched the surface, but yes. I'm so glad we were able to do this episode. And I'm gonna have to have you back on so we can like go. really get into more. But... Let's do it. Let's do some rapid questions. Hit me with some rapid okay, questions. Okay, rapid questions. Okay, so um, what is the worst show you've ever done? Worst show I ever did. Uh, DC Comedy Loft. 45 minutes bombing. 45 minutes straight. DC Comedy Loft. It wasn't the club's fault. DC Comedy Club. A lot of my <laughs> friends worked that club. I worked that club. Uh, the problem was first show, it went great. Second show, I took off to go deposit my check. They paid me early. DC Comedy Loft paid me like after my first set, they paid me my full, uh, my my second half of the check. I walked over to the Bank of America to deposit it because I didn't want to have a check on me. Mm -hmm. I walked back. The show had already started. I get on stage. They bring me up. I I get back right on time. They bring me up and they're like, you're headliner or landlady. I go up 45 minutes. And at the very end of the 45 minutes, I say, well, uh, I guess I, you guys are wondering when is this guy going to be funny? And then the whole audience laughs. And then I go, I am so sorry. I wish this could have gone better, but you know, it is what it is. Good night. I, I wish you all the best. I get off stage and then I say, wow, they were so weird. Not one laugh. And then the host and the middle decide to tell me, oh yeah, there was a fight before you got here. Oh man. And I was just like, ah, oh, that would have been great information to know. When I got on stage, that way I would have gotten on stage and that I would address the elephant of the room or came up with a joke or something to break that tension. So I'm doing my little haha jokes and there's this tension because they didn't kick anybody out. The people were still in the show. <laughs> oh my showroom. God, they were both still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were all family or something. It was a big family. Oh, awkward. Okay, what is the best life lesson you've learned through comedy? Best life lesson I've learned through comedy. Take a beat. Mm. really take a beat mm-hmm. timing timing is everything and you can't rush perfect timing yeah yeah and what is the one piece of advice if you could give one piece of advice to a new comic starting let's say in their 30s what would you tell them start at a comedy club yeah. whatever it takes if you need to become a door guy at that comedy club just make sure that that first time you're at a comedy club that's just me that's just my opinion. I don't, uh, I, if you, you're just asking me as an individual, Orlando Leva, I highly recommend that you start at a comedy club. I understand that sometimes you want to start comedy and you take it upon yourself like, yo, I'm just going to start it down at Bob's Bar. Mm-hmm. But you might be too green and not be able to handle a Bob's Bar type of show. 
yet. And then next thing you know, that discourages you. Also, a lot of open mics that you go to that are are surrounded by other comics. So you're not getting a real reaction because those comics aren't being mean to you and they're not disrespecting you. They're just worried about what they're going to say on stage. And they know that they got these three minutes, these five minutes that they want to get off. So they're not even paying attention to you. Okay. So try to start at a comedy club. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I want a question. I like rapid questions. One more question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So what, what piece of advice would you give yourself if you were to go back in time right before you did your first special? What piece of advice? You're going to be all right. Or yeah, you're going to be all right. I was very cool. I was built. So I've collected all these advices throughout these years and I'd love to share them, pass on, uh, pass them down. So like, let's say my tonight show, um, um, my half hours, my half hour and, uh, the tonight shows that I've done and true TV and everything, everything that I've done right before I go on stage, I ask for 15 minutes. As soon as I get to the venue, Can you give me 15 minutes, a 15 minute call, like letting me know in 15 minutes, you're going to be on stage. Mm -hmm. They give me those 15 minutes. I've always gotten those 15 minutes. I type out my set and I just run through my set, those 15 minutes in the green room by myself, or I'll walk out. If it's one of those green rooms that I've done where I'm sharing it, we're doing TV, but we're sharing the green room with somebody. I'll go step outside and I'll just go through my set. Bomb, A, B, C, D, just running. And then just have that first line because that first line is what takes, gets the plane off the ground. That's it. That's great. All right. Well, where can people watch all of your stuff? Where can people follow you? And then we'll let you go. (laughs) Hey, Lando. Hey, Lando.com. And my comedy special, Adorable, is on HBO Now. HBO Now is also streaming. And, um, at Hey Lando. But uh, what's more important than watching myself is that you take some time and uh, say that you love yourself in front of the mirror and be uh, patient and be forgiving with yourself. Uh, We're human beings. We're allowed to make mistakes and we can always apologize. We can always apologize. Amazing. Thank you so much, Orlando. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you guys once again for supporting Hot Pizza Ass Podcast. If you love this, share it with someone. Please, please, for the love of God, help me out here. And also, go to patreon.com slash Aaron Darling where you can support the podcast more. Thank you guys again from the bottom of my hot pizza ass. And I will see you guys next time on the show. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy.